0: It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins.
1: Welcome to the Dynasty Oasis Podcast. My name is Matthew Newts, and with me tonight, as always, Joshua Adkins. How's it going, man? Let's just get right into this stuff. Yeah,
0: it's, it's going great, man. Kickoff tonight. Uh, at least for those who are listening, we're recording this on Wednesday night. But uh, for those of you who are listening, we got kickoff tonight, or maybe we've already seen some uh, NFL action. We've got some real... Uh, things to react to some game film to uh, to break down and you know it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun I'm I'm maybe more so than any season that I can remember just sort of the way the last year or so has gone I'm I'm really excited for uh, opening kickoff both the Thursday night game as well as obviously uh, road trip to Cincinnati so uh, yeah let's get right into this thing. Yeah,
1: they blessed us with a hell of a opening game and it, you you may be listening to this after it happened and it may have been a clunker or a blowout, but I doubt it. Um, put your prediction hat on. Put your time machine in. Who's winning the game? Let's just do a little quick prediction right off the start.
0: I'm going to say the Bucks win the game. Do they uh, cover? eight point spread eight point spread yeah i think they probably do cover i think the Cowboys keep it close until about halftime and the bucks do end up pulling away i just think uh the pass rush sort of some of the issues that uh you know dallas has already on the offensive line i mean just a year removed from having all sorts of issues they're already obviously down zach martin and that pass rush for uh the bucks i think is just going to be a little too much what are your thoughts
1: i'm leaning uh putting actually some money on tampa i feel like uh I don't know, Dallas first game back with Dak. You yeah. never know how they're going to, you know, mesh together. Um, yeah, I'm feeling Tampa in the points. But, uh, yeah, so this uh, this is kind of our first crack at our newish format for our preview show. Last year, we, you know, we kind of just went game by game and really went in depth on previewing. And we're not so, you know, we're a dynasty show. I think we're going to kind of yep. scale that back a little bit and try and give you more actionable dynasty things to look for in these games, a little bit quick hitting. And then we will do our game draft like we had in the past. And mm-hmm. we're going to kind of spotlight those games a little bit more. And um, those are the games we're going to break down in depth with our film study and um, try and give you some good fantasy advice. So um, look for that after we kind of run through the games. And then Josh is uh, debuting his uh, new segment, the Devi spotlight. That'll, that'll close the show.
0: Right on. It's uh it's a lot to get to. Let's uh let's start it right off. So we talked Cowboys Bucks just in terms of what we, we think are gonna happen. How about actionable dynasty information? You're looking at maybe something you're looking for in the game, or maybe something that you're doing with one of the players off of these two teams.
1: Yeah, I'm really uh looking to see if they up Tony Pollard's usage on the Dallas side. I, I just wanna see if they, if they see the talent they have to see the talent that I see. And um, I know Zeke has looked good and all that. I just want to see if they find creative ways to use both running backs.
0: Well, and when game script maybe in a game like this where they could fall behind, is he the guy that actually sort of gets that uptick and work, or do they kind of give it to – I mean, Zeke can obviously catch the ball, but I think that's something that Pollard excels at. Uh, yeah. The only other note I'd have on the Cowboys side is just what does the tight end snap share look like? I think that's sort of a big mystery coming into the season. One of those guys is going to be valuable. I really don't think either are exceptionally high-end talents. Uh, but let's see who wins the job because there's going to be some streamer streamer appeal there. Uh, on the Bucs side, I'll say just the wide receivers in general. I think this gives us a chance to, to give the obligatory Jalen Darden mention. Uh, we, you know, That's becoming something we do every week, it seems. Uh, And then just, you know, I talked a little bit about Antonio Brown leading the team in both receptions and targets potentially this year Um, on our last show. Go give that a listen uh, if you haven't already. Um, So, yeah, just sort of what does this wide receiver core look like? How do they uh, sort of divvy up the targets? I know it's going to be just one game. We don't want to go overboard, but um, I think you're going to see Brown heavily featured. And I think he's maybe, you know, just in terms of a lineup setting standpoint, maybe the one people are a little wishy-washy on. Um, and he's in the lineups where I have him. So, uh, yeah, that's what I got in the books.
1: Yeah. I think you've been on the right side of the Antonio Brown advice. If you kind of read through the tea leaves, I think even Bruce Arians was quoted today saying something yeah. like he looks like the same guy. He looked like four or five years ago or something. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, it but was along those for, lines. Yeah. Yeah. Very encouraging signs. So, um, yeah, I can't wait for that game. Let's just kind of dive into the Sunday slate. So we'll start with the early games. Uh, we call them the noon games because we're central time, but you know, adjust yep. accordingly for where you are in the world. I know we have listeners uh, outside the continental United States, I believe, or at least we have before. So oh, um, check check your schedules. Uh, let's start with uh Seattle Seahawks at Colts. Um, I'll go on the Seattle side. Um, A lot of people think this passing game may kind of regress back to more of a run-heavy offense, and it does feel like, at first glance, kind of a a narrow target share with uh, Lockett and uh, DK, but I'm Mm -hmm. kind of curious to see whether it's Gerald Everett or uh, the rookie, Dwayne Eskridge, be the kind of the third target uh, in this passing game. I want to see how those targets and snaps kind of uh, align.
0: Yeah, no, that's, I had, I have two names down. One was a Seahawk and it was Dwayne Eskridge. And I think the reason is, is that, you know, this time of year people are still waiver runs are going on, especially in shallower formats like FFPC. I just did a couple of those. He's available in a few of my leagues. He was sort of my contingency, uh, you know, waiver claim. So go look in your leagues. He he may still be floating out there in some of these more shallow formats. Uh, He's a guy that I I really do like Uh, on the Colts side. Um, I think it'd be easy to say Carson Wentz is the big thing and he really is the big thing. But I, the thing that we're all most excited to see is uh, can Michael Pittman take that next step forward? I think, you know, relative to sort of what the, the upside looks like and sort of his draft pedigree on top of it all, um, I think he's being a little bit even undervalued yet. He's certainly seen an incline in value since last season. Um, I don't think it's maybe been on the same trajectory as as the Judy's and the Claypools and some of the guys that maybe had a little bit better rookie seasons. Um, And I think we're going to see massive things, you know, this year from Pittman. So to me, he's still sort of undervalued. I think you could still go shoot some offers and potentially get him. Um, I don't know. Would you give up a first round pick straight up for him in the 2022 class? I would. I'd add to it, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so. He's he's like the perfect example of why you should be listening to the Dynasty Oasis podcast because we're a film-heavy show, and his stats, if you just look at his stats from last year, they're not very inspiring. The one touchdown, you know, he yep. missed some time with injury, but he really dazzles on tape. He I pops, think he's, yeah. he's going to break out in a big way, and I hope it's this year.
0: Same here. Uh, let's move it on to Jags at Texans. Uh, boy, the Texans are, you know, one of the tougher teams to talk about it, but I'll take a shot here. Uh, Nico Collins, I mean, uh, is there a cheaper potential, you know, even if it's just for a year or two while they sort of figure this thing out, uh, I'm not sure Nico profiles long-term as, as a one—you know wide receiver one you build the team around. However, for a year or two while they're sort of building this, I mean, you don't build from the outside in, you build inside out. And I think he's got a chance for two years to really be – uh, kind of the guy that's that's de facto the number one target here. And, uh, you know, you look at Brandon Cooks, he's certainly at the latter end of his career. I know there's been a lot of speculation about him potentially getting moved um, if if a team comes calling before the trade deadline. So uh, Nico Collins is still a guy that, you know, I'm going to co- talk about a few different wide receivers this year that went later in drafts. And I feel like have been uh, sort of, you know, bargains throughout this entire process. And I think Nico fits that bill perfectly.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be another season where we find some gems like last year with Darnell Mooney mm-hmm. and Gabriel Davis. I think there's guys like that to be found this year as well. And I think Nico Collins um, has a good chance at uh, being someone that's value climbs quite a bit. So really good time to go by um, if, if you do like him. If you have, you know, we watched a fair amount of film on him, I think prepping for the um, Senior Bowl, and yeah, yeah, it's an archetype. I'm not super fond of, but I think he does a little bit more than just kind of the big man contested catch stuff. I think he has a little bit of run after the catch ability, and and I think he's a little bit more of a separator than you would expect from a, a bigger wide receiver. Um, I'll take yeah, Jack. Well, just, I'm
0: oh, sorry. Just real quick, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But when you mentioned the archetype, it's definitely not something that we chase that bigger sort of body wide receiver. But when we sort of have this conversation if he's going to be the de facto one and they kind of just have to force targets at him, it is actually sort of the archetype I'm looking for. If that's what, what sort of is going to happen. He's, you know he's big enough to take the hits, and and when the coverage is tight or he's got double coverage, he's big enough to go make a play. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. Off. No, go that's ahead with the J.
1: Good point. Uh, Jacksonville's pretty easy. Debut of Trevor Lawrence, number one overall pick, the most yeah. highly anticipated quarterback prospect that I can frankly remember, at least since Andrew Luck. Since so, luck yeah, uh, that's the obvious answer, but uh, I I. If I'm going to get a little deeper, um, LaVisca Chenault has got me probably a little too excited. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm really, really hoping they're going to use him all day, every day.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, James Robinson, you know, everybody thought you sort of got bailed out if you held through the Etienne thing. Uh, I think it's maybe LaVisca Chenault that got the bigger bump when, when we sort of look at this thing long term, you know, in a couple of years. Uh, that may be actually where the bump came. Uh, Eagles at Falcons is our next game. This one's easy for me. Another guy that, uh, this guy's not a rookie like like Nico, but uh, I think is a guy that's still available on waivers, at, at least in a few of the FFPCs I checked. Uh, he's actually still available in our contract league news. It's Quez Watkins. I think it's pretty likely that he's won the number two job in Philadelphia. And so I think whether you like, you know, Quez or, or you know, I think a lot of this is contingent on your thoughts on Jalen Hurts. But if you're like me, and you believe that Hurts can at least be a competent passer that can really stress defenses with his legs, I think Quez Watkins should be a guy that's that's more highly owned or, or rostered. And so, um, yeah, go get him. Go make low ball offers for him. I don't think anybody's quite properly valuing this because Jalen Rager is still technically there. Um, I just I don't know that he's any good or that he's more than a gadget player. So, yeah, go buy Quez.
1: All right. And uh, Atlanta side debut Kyle Pitts. Everyone's really excited about that. Um, I guess what's really probably more important to watch, because um, we know it's probably going to be a bit of a slow burn with Pitts. Maybe sets the world afire and uh, all the, the Pitts uh, stands out there will be vindicated. But I, I'm kind of curious uh, if Russell Gage is going to matter, if mm-hmm. Omidy Zaccheaus or – um, whoever it, it, you know, there's going to be a third, you know, receiving option that matters in this offense. So I'm hoping for a glimpse of that. I, my money's on gauge though. Can we,
0: can we talk about Gallman versus Mike Davis a little bit too? Cause I know that's oh, been sure. a conversation that's been going on. I, they, they obviously, for those who don't know, but I think most do, but, uh, Quadre Allison was let go. Uh, they brought in Wayne Gallman, who's a guy that we both really liked, uh, what we saw on tape last year in, in spot starts for, uh, Saquon Barkley in New York yeah. when he was hurt. Um, so, you know, what do you think about this, this, uh, this Atlanta job? Is this now more of a committee? Is Mike Davis still somebody that you, you know, that dynasty managers or redraft managers for that matter can lean on as an early season sort of, um, heavy touch guy, or do you, do you see this much more split now?
1: I would not be shocked if Gallman, um, by mid season shares more of a load Um, Even though the running back position isn't rocket science, it does take a little bit of time to familiarize yourself with a new team. So um, Mike Davis should have plenty of runway to to keep the job for himself. And I mean, any backfields there, he's at least going to lose some carries to someone. I'm I'm just happy that they brought in a guy that I I do think is kind of undervalued by the NFL and the fantasy community. I think he's a worthwhile stash if you have the room.
0: Yeah, I think if if Atlanta is checking the tape on the Carolina season from from Mike Davis last year, um, I think they know that you can give him big work for a couple games, but but doing it continuously is gonna you know uh, eventually lower how much you can expect to get out of him on a week to week basis. He sort of t- wore down last year, and I think I think Gallman's got some standalone value um, in what should be a pretty solid offense this year. Uh, Chargers at the uh, football team. You want to start us off here? Yeah,
1: Chargers. Um, we we feel like we got a pretty good hold on their offense. I think kind of the one um, outlier or interesting new addition is Josh Palmer. We've talked about him a fair yep. amount on this show. I want to see if he can, if he's one away onto the field, you know, in a significant margin, or if he's just kind of a backup with upside. I want to see if he can find an immediate early
0: role. I like that one. I called him a potential, you know, what do we what do we call it, late round or, or something MVP. I called him essentially an MVP last week. I think he's I think he's due for a pretty big role there in L.A. I'll also quick, quickly say on the Chargers, I want to see how this tight end, you know, the snap share is going to, you know, sort out. I know they didn't bring in Jared Cook to do nothing, but we're both massive Donald Parham fans. So um, seeing what his, you know, snap share looks like week one will be big. Um, the football team. Uh, unfortunately, Curtis Samuel looks like he pulled up lame today in practice. Looks like he, you know, re re injured or, uh, you know, exaggerated the injury all, that was already there on that groin or hamstring. So it sounds like he's likely to miss the game. So this is kind of wheels up for Diami and a very similar guy to Nico again, guy that we really, we really liked Diami Brown, I would say in a mm-hmm. more significant way than we liked even Nico Collins. Um, and he sort of has been a guy that's been flying under the radar pretty much all, pre-season. yeah. He really even, has, even really since the pre draft process/slash NFL draft got over, it feels like he's sort of fla- flown under the radar. Uh, Fitzpatrick was talking him up this week, um, or maybe it was a couple weeks ago. In any case, I think they're a really good fit from an archetype and and you know, player type between Fitz and Diami. And I think he's going to potentially do good things, and I think he's got you know a, a, a real opportunity here to prove um, that he belongs and that he's a, he's going to be a fantasy contributor. So Diami Brown's the big thing from the football team for me.
1: Yeah, I've seen him dropped in uh, some of my MFL leagues, um, and I've snagged him up in a, mm-hmm. or you know quite a bit more shares. I was drafting him in the third round of my rookie drafts. I wouldn't be shocked if he's available in a lot of FFPC or shallower dynasty leagues. So definitely uh check him out check your waiver wires. uh next game we got the the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Bills um I'll take the Bills side I'm I'm still curious uh if darn or uh, I'm I'm sorry if Gabriel Davis Gabe Davis yeah versus Emmanuel Sanders is actually a battle or not or if if they're going to be as pass heavy as they were last year I don't think you necessarily need to um, worry about which one is getting more snaps. I think they can support at least three wide receivers in this offense, maybe even four, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm hoping Gabe Davis really won, uh, basically in every snap role on this offense.
0: All right. I'll take it to the Steelers side. Um, I look at big Ben, um, and you know, just sort of, nobody cares about who's on my teams in my leagues, but I'll say I have big Ben as a QB four in a league. And I sort of expected to get some offers from some teams that are, you know, legitimately looking at not having a strong second quarterback or definitely not having a third quarterback seems like there's really no steam for anybody who's interested in going and buying him. And I'm saying off of this matchup, which I think is a tough one for big Ben. And I think um, really what you need to hone in on is less so how many points he scores and and just how does the arm look. And I think he's looked a little bit better in preseason, but I want to see it full speed live in in an NFL game against starters but uh, if he comes out and looks sort of like old Big Ben, and yet, you know, maybe the statistics aren't particularly great. I think you can have him for almost nothing. I, I mentioned like four times in the last show that Teddy Bridgewater's a guy I'd go buy. I don't know that the price is all that different from Bridgewater to Big Ben. In fact, I sort of wonder if, if Ben's maybe not cheaper. It just feels like he's a he's an asset that people are willing to just dump. And I, I'm I'm going to go make some some offers in some of my superflex leagues where. I think he can help me. I really do think he can help teams this year as a um, low-end quarterback one or a high-end quarterback two with the weapons he has. So, sorry, go
1: ahead. I was just going to say maybe there's a lot of people out there that are going to hold a permanent grudge against Big Ben, like I I am holding, because I think I needed five points out of him to win a semifinal (laughs) matchup last year, and he gave me four. Yeah. Um. So I at the After that game ended, I said, I will never roster Ben Roethlisberger again, and I'm still holding to that. I'm still mad at him, so sorry, Ben.
0: You know, I can't really blame you. Uh, On to another quarterback that I'm not um, super ecstatic about the player, but, you know, I think is coming at a major uh, bargain right now, but I think when you look at this game – by the way, this is 49ers and Lions. The guy I want to talk about is Jimmy G. If he has the game that I expect he could potentially have here against the the Lions – go sell him. Go make go make, you know, offers to try to get him off of your team cuz this is not going to be his job for very long, but there is potentially a team that's going to see a an injury maybe right away or just didn't have this thing, maybe it was depending on Justin Fields to be an early season starter and is not. There's going to be a team and if he flashes the 30-point game that he has the potential for uh this week. I think you can go sell him for I mean, if you in a super flex, if you could get a random second for him right now, would that be enough to just—he's automatically off your team? Oh, without a doubt. Right, and I think I think coming off of a big game with the injury to Lance, especially if he doesn't suit up, I think there's a chance that Jimmy could generate a little bit of a—you know—get the ball rolling for San Fran and hold this job a little bit longer than maybe um, people think. And and I think you could go get something for him. And I think I'd be doing it unless I absolutely needed him to compete. What do you got here?
1: Um, yeah, and I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter about Trey Lance potentially not playing till week 10, 11, 12. There seems to be some fear out there that Jimmy's yep. going to hold on to this job for most or all this year, and I, I just don't see it happening that way. So I'm, I'm in full agreement. And if that makes Trey Lance Attainable. If someone's afraid that they're going to have to wait, yeah. yeah, go get Trey Lance. But, um, yeah, I'm with you there. On the Detroit side, I think you laid it out beautifully on our last show about DeAndre Swift. Uh, I think he's being way too disrespected by the community in redraft and dynasty. Um, I'm with you. I think they're going to um, apply the New Orleans Saints offensive yep. scheme, or at least – use their running backs the way we've seen Kamara and Latavius or Kamara and Ingram. And I think Jim or Jamal Williams is a perfect yin, yang to uh Swift's yang. So uh, I want to see a bigger pass catching role for him.
0: Yeah. I really like that one. Actually, what I had written down for the lions was just, we need to see this O line uh, take a big step because that is a component here in what they, what they want to do. If this offensive line isn't any good and Penny Sula for, you know, Despite being, you know, a very high pick and a guy that was, you know, pretty much a can't-miss prospect or seemingly a can't-miss prospect, uh, hasn't looked particularly good in the preseason, we need to see this O-line look good because that's a big component in all of this, too, that uh, certainly TJ Hawkinson helps that, DeAndre Swift can kind of make these guys look good, but they got to gel as a unit um, and be good as well. And I think, you know, you combine those two things along with the the pass-catching targets and a, bit, a storm is brewing for, for big numbers here for DeAndre Swift. Uh, Vikings at Bengals. I'll let you go first on this one.
1: Oh, do I want to take the old beloved purple and gold or the Cincinnati Bengals? By the way, Josh will be at this game in his physical being. So if we have any listeners um, living out there in Ohio in land... Show yeah. up to the game. Josh is uh, going to be right on the 50-yard line, first yep. row, front and center. Actually, I have no idea where you're sitting.
0: I'll but, be head-zone uh, in a 99 jersey, baby.
1: If you couldn't tell, I was stalling a little bit before I could formulate some sort of grandiose take <laughs> on this game. You, you want um, me to go? No, no, no. I'm uh, fine. I'll, I'll I'll go with Cincy since uh, you're probably the bigger Viking fan of the two, so, the two of us. Since you have season tickets, but uh, Bengals. There's been a lot of negative steam all preseason, really. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow hasn't quite looked back to normal. Jamar Chase dropping the ball every chance he gets. Um, I did see something where he he does this tennis ball training every day where. But then the result was he catches 40 tennis balls a day. I was like, that doesn't seem like very much. But uh, regardless, I'm going on another tangent. Uh, yeah, the Bengals offense. Uh, I was very excited about how they put this team together in the offseason. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, they kind of put all that fear to rest and, and look like a well-oiled unit. My personal rooting allegiances for the Vikings aside, I want to see this Bengals offense work.
0: Well, yeah, you know, I'm I'm a Viking fan, so maybe I'm not seeing this, you know, totally clearly. Uh, but what I had down for Burrow, and that was the name I had down on the Cincinnati side, is I think he's going to come as a as a potential buy here early in the season. Um, uh-huh. He he can say his need, you know, isn't an issue or isn't sort of in his head. I think it is a little bit. Jamar Chase has not played in a couple, you know, in in twenty months or whatever the the technical number is on it. Um, I think there's going to be some growing pains in Cincinnati and off of the negative steam from preseason that you referenced. I think there's going to be a buy window here. I really do on Burrow and and he's still a guy that I'm, I'm invested in long term. I just, I'm a little bit worried about what the, uh, the early season returns, um, look like. I think it was good that we kind of both steered away from the purple. The one thing I did want to mention, because I've mentioned him a couple different times on this, on this show. Uh, and I feel like the Vikings are, are pretty good at identifying uh, this position. Uh, Tristan Jackson, a guy that I really liked last year out of Syracuse, uh, went to the L.A. Rams. They held him on the, the active roster all season. He did not play, though. Uh, the Vikings claimed him on waivers. And I think if, if Amir Smith-Marset doesn't do something early in the season, I think this is a guy that could eventually uh, bubble up from the practice squad to the active roster. Um, and I think he's a guy that, he, you know, you. He had a really, really nice red zone uh, stick nod in, in uh, an early preseason game that I saw. I think there's a good player here in in Tristan Jackson. And I think that's a guy deep leagues, shallow leagues. He's he's available everywhere. So it's really it's a deeper league play. I'm, I'm in a 50 like seven man roster league and I did pick him up this week. Uh, but just a guy maybe to kind of put on a watch list in some of your more shallow formats. Uh, Jets at Panthers or do you got anybody you wanted to talk about on the Viking side?
1: Mm, no, let's move on. Uh, I've been like the biggest Panthers Bobo on in the Dynasty community all off season, so I'll, I'm actually going to let you take the Panthers. I'll go with the Jets. Uh, Zach Wilson debut. Very excited about that. Um, I've I've kind of come full circle on him from being kind of a doubter to a believer back to kind of doubting a little bit. Now I'm back to being a believer. So um I want to, I want this rookie class to be great. We're starting some of the great quarterbacks of the past have retired recently and are or are declining. So we, we really kind of needed this next generation of young quarterbacks to get really excited about. And I'm, I'm hoping Zach Wilson is uh what, can turn this franchise around. Frankly, they've been uh, moribund for quite a while.
0: Well, geez, I feel like I'm talking about nothing but uh buy and sell quarterbacks, but I've got another one here for you and you're not going to love it because I know you called the a top eight guy at the end of the season here. Uh, I said uh, top 12, top 12. Okay. I'm, excuse me. Uh, at the end of the day, Um, I'm on the other side of the coin with Sam Darnold and actually Tyler Gunther today on, on Twitter posed a question of just, you know, when you really look at it, what is the huge distinction between, uh, Sam Darnold and, and Daniel Jones and really Mm -hmm. what you can come up, come up with is, is situation. They both have the same problematic areas as, as NFL quarterbacks. They still have a huge growth, you know, they have the God given ability. But they haven't been able to put it all together. It seems like they look a little bit lost out there. Feels like they have a lot of the same, you know, issues. Really, what you've got going for Darnold that that doesn't necessarily bode as, as well for uh, for Jones is a better team around him, better weapons, I guess. And, you know, I guess a little bit more investment. I, I think it'd be a little bit harder for Carolina to move on from Darnold in one year than it would be for the, the Giants at this point to say no more on Daniel Jones. Um, however, you, they're being valued in a significantly different way. And while I acknowledge that the upside is there with Darnold, I think if he does have a big game, you know, against the Jets, if you aren't all in on Darnold, this is now the time to start potentially getting some positive steam going on him and looking to get out for a profit. So again, this is about how much do you believe? And if you believe in Sam Darnold, disregard this entire rant. But if you're kind of like me and you're not quite sure, I think there's you know an early season slate of games here for Carolina that Sam Darnold can really build some momentum on and that you could potentially get out at 150% of what you paid maybe a couple years ago, or even you could get back out uh, what you put in in rookie drafts a couple of years ago in Superflex. So uh, I, we see this one, you know, a little differently, not necessarily in terms of what the upside is, but more so in how willing I am to to bank on it hitting. And, and that's really the difference I, where I come down on Sam Darnold.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if I i mean mentioned this yester or on our last show, but go, going from Adam Gase to uh, the Matt Rule <laughs> coaching staff is not insignificant. It's Adam not. Gase may yes. be the worst NFL head coach I've ever seen in my lifetime, and honestly, I'm pretty gosh darn high he's, on Matt Rule as an NFL he's coach. He's taking the
0: reins from, from Jeff Fisher uh
1: Fisher got to eight wins pretty yeah, much every goal. year.
0: You're right. Yeah. So
1: it. yeah. it's not even close. Adam Gase is a dumpster fire of a head That's coach. Sam true. Darnold is going to hall of fame. I don't care. I'm all
0: in. All right. Cardinals at Titans. What do you got on this one?
1: Ooh, uh, Rondell Moore, man. Um, yeah. Can they, can they be smart with his usage? Or are they going to pigeonhole him into a traditional slot role? I want to see, jet sweeps, I want to see gadget plays, but I also want to see him run some normal slot routes. I want him all over the field all the time. Let Hopkins and AJ Green, if he has any life left in his body, do their thing on the outside. And let Rondell Moore create
0: space. I like that one. That was you know, I mentioned pre-show when we were kind of discussing this, uh, that there was one team I had a really hard time coming up with anything for. It's Tennessee. And I mean, it's not that they don't have interesting players. Obviously, Derrick Henry is a top five pick in most redraft leagues. He's an unbelievable player. Obviously, the two wide receivers are there. It's just There's not a lot outside the box here, I felt like I could say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess what I'll say is that Ryan Tannehill is... Um, actually, you know, let's just have a conversation because I'm not really sure where I stand. Where do you stand on Tannehill? Because i On one hand, I could say based on what he's done the last two years, he's actually undervalued. And then again, when I look at him on rosters or when I sort of think about, you know, where he is in the NFL pecking order in terms of, you know, what I think are the best to worst players, I don't think it necessarily adds up to the points scored. So where do you come down on on Tannehill?
1: If you would have asked me before this offseason how many shares of Ryan Tannehill would I have, I would have guessed I'd have, you know, three, four, five, quite a mm-hmm. few. I mean, I play in, like, 40 to 50 leagues. I, I figure I'd have a, at least a few a couple, shares of Tannehill. Yeah. But um, even though I like him, he's going, like, either right before or right after Matt Stafford. And yep. it, it he therefore, he's on, like, none of my teams. I'm grabbing Stafford all day. So I, I think... He, even though I think he's probably in the right range is he's just in the same tier as another quarterback that I, that's, I'm just frankly a little bit more or quite a bit more excited about.
0: And, you know, I've been wrong on this before too. Cause I think at, at certain times a couple of years ago, it might've been like a guy like Baker Mayfield that you're kind of valuing by him. And, and he certainly outperformed that, but that's mm-hmm. sort of how I feel too. He's in, he's in the right range. He's, he's where he belongs. It's just, when I get to that spot, there's guys that I like a little bit more or there's a guy a little bit behind him that I feel like I like just as much. So I don't end up with a lot of shares. But um, he's an interesting case study, especially when you look back at what he was in Miami, how he came into the career, you know, into the NFL as a wide receiver converted to quarterback. Uh, he's a great story. And, you know, I guess I, I root for the guy, but I just I don't really quite know how to value him in Dynasty. I think that's the case for a lot of managers and is reflected in sort of how he's you know treated in drafts.
1: Yeah, let's uh, move it on to the the after or the later afternoon games. Yep. Uh, we'll start with uh, 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 Browns and Chiefs. Just a great game, Browns yeah. and Chiefs. I'm I'm just really excited to watch this game. But uh, breaking it down for fantasy purposes, let's go on the Chiefs side. Um, Everyone's been trying to find the wide receiver, two on this team. I guess it's more of the wide receiver three because Travis Kelsey is really just a wide receiver. <laughs> but yeah. Nicole Hardman, Byron Pringle, uh, Robinson, who's it going to be? Tell me, Josh, who's it going to be?
0: You know, I st- my money's still on Demarcus Robinson. I think he's actually the least highly valued at this point. I think most people would have have it. Nicole uh, Hardman is the name they'd pick. I don't see it happening for either Pringle or Hardman. I think Robinson's a just, he's, you know, the, just a guy phrase is kind of disrespectful. These guys are all tremendous athletes. He's an average NFL player, but I think, you know, his average and consistent play is enough to put him on the field. I mean, Sammy Watkins wasn't fabulous for them last year, but you can count on Sammy Watkins when he's healthy to do the right thing. I think that's what DeMarcus Robinson provides. And, um, so he's still my bet, but, uh, that's also partially because I, I like the value on him much more than where a guy like Hardman is going, for sure. I
1: think you're probably right. It just feels so boring. You know, at least Hardman's got the flash. He can paint a picture where he matters a, a lot more than Demarcus Robinson ever could. I'm a little bum Cornell Powell didn't make this team, though. I, I did kind of like him. Did he stick on their practice squad, Do you know? Sorry to put you on the spot. I, I did not.
0: I did not look. I, I didn't look.
1: track what happened to him, but... Uh, nah.
0: I'd imagine okay. that that's what ended up happening to him. I will uh, move us on to Cleveland. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones versus Anthony Schwartz. I think this isn't this is a one-game sort of this is what I'm watching for. This is something that's going to be big all year and something that I'm watching for all year. Who can make more plays? Who really makes more errors? Who's the guy that they're going to be able to count on next year? Uh, we've talked about this several times, I think, on this show, about the contracts not really lining up for Cleveland to keep both of these big-name wide receivers uh, down the road as we keep going here, it seems like next year is sort of when one of the two is going to have to break away. Um, which, whichever of these two young wide receivers can win. And, I, you know, I think, uh, Peoples Jones has been getting rave reviews at camp. He really impressed me towards the end of last season. Uh, I think that's where my money is, but that's, that's a battle that's worth watching all season. And, and, uh, um, I think we're going to need to see a little bit of both of those guys in this game because obviously the Chiefs can can score with the best of them.
1: I definitely prefer Peoples-Jones as a long-term prospect, but uh, just to play a little devil's advocate, I think Anthony Schwartz actually can do something that no one else in this wide receiver group can do. I think he can take the top off of a defense. So, Great point. Um, in a weird way, he might actually be more productive this year, but Peoples-Jones is the guy that I want next year.
0: Fair enough. Let's move to uh, the Dolphins at Patriots. And this one's one's really easy, and if we both just want to talk about this, I think it's fine. Tua versus McCorkle, baby. Uh, Former Bama teammates, both national championship-winning quarterbacks for Alabama. Uh, We get to see it. We didn't expect to see this right away. We certainly knew that this was something that was going to happen at some point because Mac was going to eventually get this job. Uh, But yeah, these two squaring off, it's going to be a fantastic— I've seen a little bit on Twitter lately about uh, which one is actually the quarterback you'd rather have. And I think that's a crazy conversation to be having right now. Certainly Mac has impressed us early in preseason, but um, two is the better prospect in my opinion. Do you have – uh, a big take on that one way or the other? And and is this game going to be indicative of sort of what we can expect this year for these two?
1: Man, I never really thought about pitting one versus the other. <laughs> That's funny. Cause I'm actually kind of torn. I know it seems silly to say Mac Jones over Tua, but ah, I just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm so undecided on Tua. It's, it's it's frustrating. I wish I had a, a bigger take. Like I, I called him Tua Bridgewater last year <laughs> and I love Teddy, but, um, I think he is capable of more than what he showed last year. So I'm still taking Tua over Mac in a startup, but I think that opinion could change awfully quickly.
0: Yeah, I'm willing to have it, have it be changed. And I think, you know, when I look at the two situations, neither is surrounded by a bunch of premier skill talent. I think when you look at Tua, I think he does have the better weapons. Now say what you want about Will Fuller. Uh, I forget who it was on somebody's show recently he called him the fantasy cicada because uh, he shows up and puts up big numbers, and then just sort of disappears as quickly. Uh, I thought that was that was funny, but yeah. Anyways, uh, Will Fuller is a good player when he's healthy. Jalen Waddles the guy we talked about last week. We both are are sort of um, kicking ourselves for maybe not being a little bit higher on this guy in the in the rookie draft process. Uh, he's a guy that if he struggles, I'm going to be going and making a bunch of offers for. But I just look at two the better player in or better prospect in my opinion. Which one ends up better long term is to be determined. But I do like his surrounding cast a little bit better than Mac Jones, too. Both have good offensive lines. Both have run games and defenses that can support him. But I just like the weapons for two a little bit better. And so that's pretty easily where my money would go. Uh, Broncos and Giants, I think we got to keep this thing moving. What do you got here on either of these two teams?
1: Um, I'll go on the Giants side since I, I talk too much about the Broncos. Yeah. Um you, you mentioned uh, Daniel Jones earlier, but uh, I want to see, uh, we need to see pretty quickly if there is a future there. So um, I know there are a lot of people out in my leagues that care about Daniel Jones a heck of a lot more than <laughs> me do, or more than I do. I more said than me do. do, that's I can't even talk, it's too late. So yeah, more than me do, Daniel Jones, let's go.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I'll talk about Cortland Sutton here a little bit. He's kind of the forgotten man, at least between the two of us. We love to talk about Judy. We love to talk about Fant. Uh, even Javante Williams probably gets a little bit more airtime. Uh, I'm, an, I'm an, a very big fan of Cortland Sutton. He's certainly had his injury issues, but uh, I think he was primed for a huge season last year. I think both him and you know Judy complement each other really well. I think he's probably, you know, as much as I've said, Judy's a value. Basically, all off season, he's a guy I'm targeting in trades, and I think he's a guy that breaks out this year. It doesn't have to be a an either or necessarily. It can be it can be both have a good season. And I think Cortland Sutton, frankly, for what he's going to produce, is actually maybe coming at more of a value. I don't think Jerry Judy goes so nuclear this year that uh, you know he wins necessarily wins leagues. I think he's just going to take the step forward. Uh, that that makes us believe that when they get quarterback fully figured out, that he's going to be uh, a premier wide receiver. Corlin Sutton's coming out of value, and I, you know more than anything else, I just want to see him uh, stay healthy and and prove that he's a good player because I think he is. Uh, Packers at Saints.
1: Uh, this game will be played in Jacksonville of all places due yeah. to the Hurricane Ida. So uh, I don't know if that really matters at all, but uh, Packers. Um, I'm. Still kind of trying to figure out wide receiver two there. Um, obviously, Devontae is entrenched. Uh, we like both of us, I believe, like big Bob Tanyan. Um, yeah. and then so they brought back Randall Cobb, they drafted Amari Rodgers. I think both those guys. I don't know. Cobb doesn't matter. But I think Rodgers may start as kind of a gadgety. Uh, who is the running back they had last year? Tyler Irvin that they yes, used Tyler as kind of yep. like the the jet action guy. Maybe Rodgers starts in that mold. So I think there's still room for Alan Lazard or Marquez Valdez-Scantling to see snaps and get targets. Um, do you have a preference of the two or do you even care? Uh,
0: are you positive that Valdez-Scantling made the team? I feel I'm, like one I thought, of them got cut. I'm,
1: Oh, really? I didn't hear anything about either of them getting cut.
0: I guess I'm not positive, though. Let me just look. Vamp for me for a second. Nope, I'm totally wrong about that. They both made it. Sorry, I like I like Lazard better. Apologies there. Uh, great radio. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I prefer Lazard. I don't really have, you know, Valdez-Scantling, to me, just drops the ball too much. And, you know, I've talked before about that's sort of a bad you know, way to look at things. Usually guys who, who can get open are more important than guys who catch every single ball. Velda Scantling at least gets open. I don't know that Lazard is is much more than kind of a poor man's Michael Pittman, where if you can get him open in zone coverage and catching the ball on the run, he can chew up some ground. Uh, but in terms of creating separation for himself, I don't think he does a lot of that. You know, just talking it out, give me MVS. He just, I think there's a little bit more upside to actually uh support himself as opposed to being supported by the offense.
1: Okay. Uh, anything on the Saints? Care about uh, the Saints like, at all?
0: You know what? Not really. I didn't have uh Tony Jones. I mean,
1: oh yeah, good point. They cut Latavius
0: Murray, so maybe we should just yeah. have a conversation about him obviously coming out of Notre Dame a year ago. Uh, I think he was like by RB25 that year. He was very very low rated. Sounds like he's had a good camp. The fact that they cut Latavius Murray uh, you know, it signals that they like him enough that, that he they can depend on him. So uh, I think you got to go pick him up even in the more shallow formats. FFPC, I think he should be owned in just about every league. Uh, that Latavius Murray role has been valuable in the past. So um, yeah, I think that's a guy that's at least worth mentioning.
1: All right. Our primetime game, Sunday night football, the Chicago Bears at uh, Los Angeles Rams. No Justin Fields, unfortunately. I'm sure the the schedule makers were hoping for yeah. a little bit more than Andy Dalton in this game, but uh still with the Bears. Um, I don't know if I really have anything actionable. Well, I'll say this. Go by Darnell Mooney before yeah. it's too
0: late. Yep, that was that was mine. You're running out of time on Darnell Mooney. Uh, this is a tough matchup, both for him and for Alan Robinson. I do think the Bears get a little bit done here, but um in a rock and home crowd that's that's checking out the stadium for the first time. Uh it's 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 probably for the better that Justin Fields doesn't have to go into this environment against Aaron Donald right away. Um, you know, I, I, it's probably for the best. And Darnell Mooney, I think, still does have a solid game. But uh, yeah, go buy him uh, on the Rams side. I'll talk about Daryl Henderson a little bit. I think this is a guy that I continue to be on the opposite end of the community on. Uh, I I didn't, haven't really changed my opinion on him yet. The community is is all over the place. Uh, seemingly, before he he you know before the Cam Akers injury, most people thought he was overvalued. Actually, I was taking him a bunch at that point in the 10th, 11th round in 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 zero RB builds or anchor RB builds. Uh, then the injury happens, and everybody basically vaults him up four or five rounds, especially in redraft, maybe even a little bit higher than that. Then they bring in Sony Michelle, and now everybody's back on the other side of it. I'm just been right in the middle of this whole time. He's going to be a 12 to 15 touch high efficiency player. Uh, I don't really care who the other back is. He Henderson is incapable of taking a 25 touch workload. So either you like the player for who he is and, and the efficiency he provides on 12 to 15 touches or you don't. And it's fine to be on you know either side of that coin. I prefer to say or, you know, I'm on the side that says he's a good player he's going to be efficient I think he can do even more in the passing game than he's done in previous years especially with Sony I think that's going to be where his role uh, really has to expand I'm still a big Daryl Henderson fan and I don't know where he is relative to where he you know uh, was at the very start of this whole process um I just know the community has been way too um sort of you know going with the flow on him he's he's not Wishy-washy. really washy yeah, wishy-washy. that's perfect because I don't think anything has really changed for him in this whole time yet his value has swung massively. So if you're not a believer, I hope you sold uh, before they traded for Sony Michelle. Ravens at Raiders, the final uh, final game of the week, the Monday night football game, another brand new stadium. well, brand new as as far as uh, fans getting into it. Uh, the Las Vegas Stadium here, Ravens at Raiders. who do you got?
1: Um, I'm going to start with the Ravens Because I don't really lo- want to talk about the Raiders, I guess <laughs> Um, I think we need to pay attention to this running game I'm yep. of the opinion that Gus Edwards takes most of the work And Tyson Williams doesn't matter Or, I mean, I, I can't believe people are claiming Le'Veon Bell on waivers today I saw some, well, some yeah. waiver claims And I don't think there's anything there
0: Yeah, and I don't think that there's much left Now, what I will say is Tyson Williams uh I watched a couple games of him at BYU 2 years ago. Uh I really liked the player. I think there's there's good burst. I think he's uh he's kind of got that slasher to him. He, he reminded me a little bit of, of Marlon Mack at at UCF where he can really stick the foot in the ground and get upfield uh in a hurry. He just has never stayed healthy. I think he he played at two other schools before uh before finishing at BYU and and was injured at all three of them. And so uh, I think what Lev Bell really is 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 insurance for when the inevitable potentially could happen to Tyson Williams, and so uh, this argument about who's better, who's worse, I'm I'm with you that I think Lev Bell is is significantly over it. Could that be said, a
1: Latavius Murray landing spot too. It,
0: it could be, it could be, but at the end of the day, you know. The the attrition is building up for Baltimore. They they need a body every once in a while to throw in there. It can't be Gus Edwards can't take four hundred touches. He's a good player, but he's not going to be able to handle that. Bring uh, back
1: Frank Frank Orr. Come on, let's go.
0: I'm, I'm gonna play with his too. son one day. I will talk about the Raiders a second. I still like Henry Ruggs. I I you know I know that's not a popular opinion. He was obviously the highest uh, drafted wide receiver last year. Incorrect. Uh, you know as it turns out. That said, it sounds like a lot of what they've asked him to do in terms of being a little bit more of a complete player, uh, building himself up, putting a little bit of weight on. He's done some of those things. I think they might be a little bit more ready to trust him in some uh, manufactured areas and really just on horizontal routes as opposed to vertical routes, which uh, after his early season knee tweak was really what he was limited to. He was a decoy player, uh part of that was his fault and and you know part of the inj part of it was the injury. Um I think there's more in there. I it, right or wrong, you know, picking him at eleven, there he's a better player than what he showed last year, in my opinion. And so he's a guy that I'm gonna have eyes on in this game and and frankly, uh is a guy that I'm gonna go target in a few places if if uh if I can here before the final uh bell rings on the start of this season.
1: All right, uh Josh Heads or Tails.
0: I'll say tails.
1: Tails never fails. You, uh, you get the first pick in the
0: game draft. I get the first pick. Well, so I definitely won't pick Vikings Bengals. Going to be at that game. I think the really the easy choice for me is you know there's there's too many good storylines. I mean we're we're just in the first week of the NFL season here. Uh, We're looking for some fun storylines. We're looking for some things to uh sort of you know it pique our interest and I think the one to me that does it is well, we talked about Tua versus Mac i yeah. uh, Bill Belichick versus Brian Flores these two organizations oh good point uh mirror each other in so many different ways they I mean they kind of know each other inside and out on the basis of the fact that they kind of are built um on the same personnel the same philosophies and so I think this game has a ton of intrigue I think uh, you know, it's it's kind of a tone setter in terms of uh, who might be the second team out of this uh, AFC East because I think we all are picking the uh, the Buffalo Bills to kind of run away with this thing. Uh, but with seven playoff teams now, somebody you know somebody from the AFC East very well might get in as a second team. This game might go a long ways to letting us know who that team might be. It's tough for uh, the Dolphins and Flores to go travel up to Foxborough, but. Um, I guess I'm picking them and I'm I'm just excited to watch this game on, on sort of that basis of these two teams uh having a pretty intimate knowledge of each other um and sort of the lines you know sort of the storylines that sets up.
1: All right. Well you left me my uh my number one pick. Um okay. I'm gonna go Chargers at Washington football team. Um we get to see Ryan Fitzpatrick with another brand new team. Um, I'm just, I'm almost more just excited to watch this game than. but <laughs> there is a lot of fantasy stuff. We talked about the tight end situation in LA. We both have Parham shares. I, I mean, Trey Mckitty's not going to factor into this game, but I, I do have some stashes of him I'm interested and then
0: long-term. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Jared cook. Um, what does he have left? Antonio Gibson, I've been beating my chest for him. I want to see if he's made any steps towards becoming the elite top three running back that I think he will be in a year or by you know mid-season this year even potentially. So sure. game I'm really excited to watch. Herbert Fitzpatrick,
0: best beard in the league. Let's go. So this one is between two teams for me or two games for me. Um, I think I'm going to go with the one that's that's going to set up better or just has the better likelihood of being a fun watch all the way through, and that's Steelers at Bills. Um, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Certainly there's a lot of fantasy dynasty components in here. Our first chance to to get a look at Najee Harris in this offense he, Somebody didn't come up in, in that matchup when we talked about it. Um, certainly he's going to be a big boost for this team. I'll, I also look at it as a great litmus test. Uh, for this Steelers offensive line. You know, this Bills uh, defense, obviously, with Ed Oliver already on it, being a you know perennially good player, um, you add Gregory Rousseau, uh, this team can get after you. And I think this Steelers offensive line, in terms of, you know, aside from the, the elbow slash arm strength of Big Ben, that's really the big question mark everybody has. And I think this Bills defense, they're going to give them a test. We're going to find out right away if, 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 you know, this this O line can hold up for Ben and if if Ben can hold up. So I think that's a game to me that has a lot of uh sort of fantasy intrigue, mostly on the Steelers side, but certainly we want to see uh, you know, Josh Allen play. He's obviously a lot of fun, but just, you know, let's see him not regress, build on last year, be even better than you were last year. Um, I don't think that's an impossibility based on the talent he has, um, and sort of the way that, you know, community has embraced him. And so uh, I'm excited about that game I think that's gonna be uh, a high score and a lot of fun
1: all right um you you chose your first game um, and mentioned the storylines um my next pick has a lot of very fun storylines as well Jets at Panthers Sam I mean, darnold, be it. yeah Sam darnold versus uh replacement and Zach Wilson um I'm i am Very high on Darnold, uh, contrary to what you were saying earlier. I want to see this Panthers offense um, under his uh, guidance. I think this team could shock a lot of people this year. And I just want to see how quickly uh, Zach Wilson can grasp the NFL game. So uh, it should be a fun game to watch.
0: Perfect. That was the one I was between. We're we're doing three games, correct? Yeah, let's do three. All right, easy layup. Browns at Chiefs. Uh, We've talked before about the Browns potentially having, you know, just top to bottom, one of the best rosters in football, if not maybe the best roster in football. Now, you compare them to the Chiefs and obviously Pat Mahomes, uh, he tips a lot of scales. And so, you know, you look at these two teams, I'm excited to see this game. This is the, the Browns are the type of team that I think could actually give the Chiefs a run, could be the type of team that could pose a threat to Kansas City in the AFC this year. Um, I think if if it's if somebody's going to, it's gonna be a team out of that the AFC North. Um, I think the browns have a great chance to do it. I know this is on the road in Arrowhead, uh, pretty brutal spot here for the the browns, but I think they can go in and at least uh, hold their own and give reason to believe that that uh, this might be a season for uh, for hope here in in Cleveland off of the big things they did last year.
1: Yeah, I was gonna choose them with my my second pick, but I knew you wouldn't let me get the jets
0: and the Panthers. Whoa, so Zach I had to Wilson? do it. Come yeah. on. That is beautiful. Facing his old the old quarterback. That's like, that was a good pick. There what were five,
1: there time? were five really good games. Um, and now <laughs> there, there are a lot of teams that I'm excited to watch facing teams that I am not excited to watch. Like I, I, would, I I'm definitely going to watch Trevor Lawrence when he pops in on red zone and stuff, but I don't really want to watch the Houston Texans at all. Oh man. Broncos, Giants, 49ers, Lions. You know what? I'm going to do Eagles, Falcons. That's not so bad. I can I can enjoy watching both those teams. I get to see Jalen Hurts, kind of a controversial figure on our show. We feel a little bit differently about him. Yep. I want to be proven. I, I'm not even going to say I want to be proven wrong because I actually do like him. I'm just not so sure the Eagles um, are committed yeah. to him long term. So I want to see him completely lock down that job for years to come. They can use their three first round picks or two and a second next year on pl- players that can support Jalen hurts. So, and then the debut of Kyle Pitts uh, should Absolutely. be a lot of fun things to watch on Atlanta side as well. So Eagles, Falcons, number three for me.
0: And I'll just real quick throw in, I'm excited to see Dallas Goddard. I think this, this matchup sets up well for Eagles tight ends in general. I'll be curious to see how they use Hurts. Maybe they showcase him here a little bit early in the season to try to get uh some trade talks you know uh, drummed up um i think that's a, that was a good you know sort of last pick I, i'm kind of with you there's five uh top tier games and that uh that might have been my top pick as well so uh should i move on to debbie spotlight here
1: yeah you're gonna be talking a lot uh, i don't know what you got planned but uh um, kind of when I pitch this idea to you, um, you give me, you give the listeners kind of the thing to watch this Saturday, or I guess college football happens on Thursday nights too and Friday nights and whatever. Mm-hmm. But what are what, what should we watch? What should we prospect? Who are the players? Who are the teams?
0: So I was actually a little bit more excited about last weekend's slate, and that's not to say that there's not good games this weekend. Um, You know, I debated sort of the chalk pick would obviously be watching uh, the Buckeyes take on Oregon, Um, you know, get a chance to see Garrett uh, Garrett and Alave again. Um, Certainly, that would be a a fun one to watch. But, you know, I I sort of steered away from it because I think most people are going to be watching that one anyways. Uh, I for a second debated just sort of talking up Traylon Burks again and telling you to go watch Texas versus Arkansas. Uh, I decided against that because there's going to be better. Uh, SEC corners that that can give Traylon maybe even a little bit more of a run for his money. I think there's going to be better chances to evaluate him. And you know, just on sort of a premise of you know, I got family in the tri-state area here. I decided to go just a little south of the border here, and we're going to talk about the uh, the battle for the Cyhawk Trophy Ooh, uh, in it. Ames, Iowa. Iowa State versus Iowa, uh, the number ten team versus the number nine team. So frankly, there's just college football intrigue here, but. Uh, Newts, what's the most important position generally in fantasy? Let's, let's leave super flex out of here. What's the most important position in fantasy? Punter. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. Running back. Oh, it's running back. Of course it's running back. And I think we've got a pair of them here, uh, that, that are going to be the, the sort of the cream of the crop for next year. Brees Hall is a guy that, uh, I believe you did a, 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 uh, uh, film summer film scouting session on him. Uh, We sort of have both talked about sort of being a little bit, you know, in the middle of the road on him. Not sure if he's um, that elite of an athlete, but certainly there's there's good plays and and a player who understands how to break tackles, certainly um, at Iowa State. So he's one to watch. And then the other guy at at Iowa is Tyler Goodson, number 15. Uh, He is shot out of a cannon. He is a really, really fast player. And I think, you know, in terms of a three down skill set, he is going to be a pass catching back at the next level. He's a 5'10" about 200 pounds, give or take, uh, running back. And I thought, you know, last year I was sort of aware of, of Goodson, uh, but I was always a little suspect of is he a, really an NFL talent based on the fact that he was behind Mackay Sargent uh, for a year. And, you know, watching Sargent more recently here in Tennessee, I think he's uh, potentially a guy that could actually be the backup to Derrick Henry at some point this season. Uh, a guy that I really liked. And so I thought that was interesting in terms of, oh, maybe Sargent's just a little bit better of a player than I thought. So Goodson, pass catching back, maybe not necessarily your top tier guy, but a guy that in the Jarrett Patterson range and the Kenny Gainwell range from this last draft, I think in that late second, early third round range is a guy that might start uh, coming into play. So uh, both for the sake of the fact that I got family in Iowa. And this is a, this is a matchup that kind of means a little bit to me just in terms of having both uh, Cyclone and Hawkeye fans in the family. Um, I also think it's it's good to watch these running backs. And, and you know, in a game that's going to have uh, probably incentive to keep it sort of low scoring, I think you're going to see plenty of both players. And so uh, Iowa State, Iowa, watch Tyler Goodson, number 15, and Brees Hall, number 28. I'll also real quickly mention... Uh, Iowa state has a couple more guys that are draft eligible this year that are in- a little bit interesting. Brock Purdy, uh, is probably more of a UDFA quarterback, maybe a late round pick if he has a good year this oh, year. That's
1: disappointing. Cause I watched a few Iowa state games last year and I was actually uh, pretty fond of Brock Purdy.
0: I, you know, there's, there's a contingency that says Brock Purdy is a, is a starting quarterback in the NFL. I'm not quite there yet. Um, however, you're not, you, if, if that's your opinion, you wouldn't be the first one to say it. Um, and then the other guy I'd quickly talk about is uh, Charlie Kohler, uh, the tight end for Iowa State, number eighty-eight, six-six, two-sixty. He's the prototype Why uh, tight end. He's currently my tight end six in this upcoming class. He will have to come out. He was technically eligible two years ago, so he's a guy you'll see in the next draft, um, and a guy that probably is going to go on day three. Um, but you know, chance—you you, got to get your eyes on everybody at some point. And I think he's a guy to at least uh, the, a name to know. So. Uh, that's the iowa state iowa game uh battle of the uh the cyhawk you like that name
1: yeah that is cool i i work with a big iowa fan uh i'm gonna be watching this game i'm really excited for it actually
0: right on uh so that is the show uh we are gonna be back on i believe tuesday i'm so i'm traveling again to and from cincinnati here this week and we're driving so that we can tailgate so uh, the schedule is going to be a little bit crazy. I think we're going to end up probably having the show out Wednesday and, and like Friday uh, of next week. But uh, we'll just see if, if I'm feeling up to it on Monday or if I get back in time to watch the film requisite. Uh, we'll record Monday night because we know we like to get content out to you as soon as we can. Uh, you got anything else you want to let the listeners know before uh, we sign off here, Newts?
1: No. Bye.
0: <laughs> jeez wow that was so flat no, well, I'm I'll just say say check us out on football.
1: twitter interact with us i am glad
0: football is back thank you very much i'm so excited to watch bucks and, and and uh cowboys tomorrow uh should be a heck of a game go prescott staying healthy go cd lamb go jalen darden. Go darden. Go darden go darden exactly all go right darden. have a good good day guys enjoy the start of football and uh look for us next week thanks for listening Farewell.